1: I've been in Lafayette now for six years. When I first went there in November of 2010, it was only supposed to be a three-month mission trip. But how many know that God likes to change your ideas? Yeah, and he did that. So for six years now, I've been serving in several ways in several ministries. Streaky School is a country school in the town of Streaky, and it celebrated 140 years. My job out there has been to lead morning devotions and – And uh, uh, to be a teacher's aide and uh, just pretty much help wherever they need me to help them at. So, and uh, this past three years, we've switched over to uh, a style of teaching called the Montessori system, which is very hands-on teaching. And so because of that, we're now getting students from around not only the countryside, but also from the surrounding towns and cities. So our school this year has an enrollment of 100 students, which for a country school that's a lot of kids, because the classrooms are only made for 15 students each. So, so we're kind of maxing out. The Lord really continues to bless the school. The principal, Miss Dinah, uh, she is an on-fire Christian, and so we kind of are in cahoots with each other because. A lot of the teachers um, are either atheist or they still practice the old Latvian pagan religion. And so, you know, they don't realize that we're praying for the school. In fact, there are times I'll take a whole bottle of Western oil and go to the school and walk around it and anoint every door of every classroom and pray over that school. And I really believe that God's hand is on that school and continues to be on that school because we have allowed God to come back to that school. You know, it's amazing. Doing morning devotions, we'll have scripture reading, worship songs, you know, 10 minutes to share the gospel. And in that 10 minutes, it really does affect the kids' lives. We have kids, first, second, third, fourth, who claim they're atheists, that they believe there is no God. And yet we've seen the word of God still affect them as well. God's word does not go out void. Amen? It does the job. So it's been a neat how the Lord continues to, to bless this school. While other country schools have closed, we have continued to be the miracle school that keeps going. Next slide, please. I continue to serve St. Gregor's Mission Center in Saldis, Latvia where we are now a conference center. We used to be a mission school where we would teach uh, people to be missionaries and then send them back to their hometowns, village, cities. But in the last few years, we've kind of changed over to be a conference center, retreat center, um, lecture hall. So my duties there is continue as I do more pastoral ministries there uh, by leading worship or preaching or doing communion. We are part of the Lutheran Church in Latvia, so it's kind of funny that this cowrie chapel pastor has to dress up in the Lutheran robe and collar, and you know, but I refuse to chant and refuse to be, you know, boring. Um, how many ever came out of a church background that was very somber, you know, liturgical? Yeah. Well, when they have me as a guest, it's definitely not somber, so, <laughs> you know. But it's been a neat door because. I feel in many ways that I'm an evangelist to these Protestant churches that at one time used to be powerhouses. Uh, They used to be filled with people, wall to wall with people. But now these big, huge historic buildings that were built 1212 A.D., 1400 A.D., now they got maybe 20 people, maybe 50 the most. But most of them, you know, don't read the Bibles or nothing. They just kind of go whatever the pastor tells them. So... I really encourage them, and I love when I can preach in their churches because I like to just stick to the Word of God and and just watch people get blessed and touched by the transforming power of the gospel. I also continue to minister throughout the country of Latvia and in Europe as well. In fact, next slide, please. This past year, the ministry that I teamed up with, East European Mission Network, sent me to do several English Bible camps throughout Eastern Europe in the English Bible camp, for those who don 't know, d- for one whole week we are at a public school to teach conversational English, and we use the Bible as the textbook. Imagine trying to do that in America and see how if you'd be on the news, but it won't be for a good thing, right? But here we're invited by these former Soviet Union countries, Slovakia, latvia estonia um, Russia public schools. These are state-funded schools to teach English, and we are allowed to use the Bible as the textbook. So for 20 years, we've been going into Russia, for 13 years into Latvia, for five years into Slovakia, and for, I think, another five or six years into Estonia. This coming year, we'll be going into Turkey and going into Albania, which is are mostly strongly Muslim countries. But again, we're invited by the public school. We're allowed to use the Bible as a textbook. And it's been neat to see many kids, translators and teachers have dramatic changes because we go in there simply with the gospel. So this year they sent me th- not only throughout Latvia, but they sent me to Slovakia for two weeks and to Estonia. And so it just... It's just been neat to see God work um, and minister using the English Bible Camp ministry. Next slide, please. And just for those who don't know about Lafayette, Latvia, we are in the middle of everything. Russia is to our left, followed by China and North Korea. How many of you are you aware of what's going on with Russia and our wonderful relationship with them? Yeah. We have a very close relationship because we're on the border with them. So, the tension with Latvia and Estonia and Lithuania at times is very tense because we're wondering what their next move is. In fact, between Latvia or between Lithuania and Poland, there's a little section, a little enclave that's still considered part of Russia. And if you've heard in the news, they've been moving some of their military stuff right there in the middle between Poland and Lithuania. And, you know, rumor has that some of these are able to have nuclear capacity. If you look at it, it's like moving this threat right in the middle of two NATO countries. It's really tense. Below us is Belarus, Ukraine. How many of you are familiar with what's going on with Ukraine? Mm -hmm. And then below Ukraine is the Black Sea. And how many of you have heard of Syria? It's just straight below us. So you got that tension. I'm I'm sure many of us have heard of ISIS and all that's going on with that. To the west of us, there is Lithuania, Poland, Germany, and France. How many of you remember what happened November 13th of last year in Paris? Or what happened in Munich, Germany? Or recently, what happened here in the state of New Jersey and New York? You know, when I heard that news, what happened here in New Jersey, New York, it really hit me. It's like it would be like me hearing that news living in Indiana and realizing that that is only 12 hours by car, two hours by plane to hear uh, what happened here in New Jersey, New York. Well, understand when I hear about terrorist attacks in France or Germany, well, that's just a 12 hour drive from Latvia, that's just a two hour flight by by plane from Latvia to Germany or to France. That's close to me. I can get there. So understand, we are like literally a country that's in the middle of Bible prophecy. So definitely keep us in prayer because we are just a small little country of roughly 2 million and under, roughly the size of West Virginia. We're not a big country, and and we definitely could use the prayer and protection of the Lord. Next slide, please. How many remember my son Christops when I brought him here about two years ago? One, two, okay. Christops is now 18-year-old. He's an official adult in the 12th grade now, and he is studying carpentry. He plans to be a carpenter and do stuff with wood. Um, I put pictures up there to show how small he was when I first met him eight years ago. And if you see the last picture to your right bottom, bottom right, He's a big guy, kind of like a football player. In fact, I can fit underneath his chin now. That's how tall he is. Uh, 230 pounds of big, you know, literally big, you know. And um, actually, he got most of his weight here in America by all the hamburgers he kept eating here. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he loves those hamburgers. I don't know what about that kid, you know. And um, and uh, But what's what's something, at 18 years old, a young adult... Even in front of all his friends, he still calls me daddy. Yeah, it still it still chokes me up when he calls me daddy because y- you just don't say that. But he he has no problem saying in front of all his friends, you know. So so he's my oldest. Next slide, my daughter, my Liga. She is now fourteen, but I swear she's really twenty five. Trapped in the fourteen old body. She's bright and smart, entered into the eighth grade, and I'm really excited to see what the Lord's going to do with her life because I've told her many times, Lafia will probably have another woman president, and most likely that will be you. And when I say that it's not in a, in a mean way, Is I believe she could be, if not an ambassador, if not a translator, but she will be very great in serving her country. She is very gifted, very smart, and has me tied to her finger like every girl does with her dads. And my unexpected surprise child, Mark, next slide, he is now 13 in his sixth grade. This past year, he improved so much in school that the teachers were convinced he wasn't the same kid. They called me into the office, ha- sat me down and asked me, what did I do with this kid? And I say, why? Because in September, November, you know, from September to... November he was rowdy, rude, obnoxious. His grades were C's and D's. Then you come back to from America and all of a sudden his grades jump up to A, B, and C and his attitude dramatically changed that he's a model student. What did you do? I said, loved him and believed in him and reminded him who he was. And threatened him maybe here and there, you know. <laughs> Pretty much just got behind him and told him he can do it, and he took it to heart. And sure enough, the school are is just believed; they're just shocked at such a dramatic change that he has in his life. And so, so he's doing extremely well. Um, in fact, I talked to him today, and he's you know he's already counting down the days because he says he can't wait for him to come home. He says, you know, I'm struggling in school because you're not here. I said, well, no, what, that shouldn't be the, no because when you're here, I know I'm safe. And I know that, you know, I know that everything's okay. In fact, what's funny, my oldest, remember, my 18-year-old, before I came to America, he actually sat down and begged me if I'd just cancel my trip and stay home. I'm like, why? He goes, because you've been so busy this whole summer. We didn't see you all summer. I want you home. Oh, you know, stabbed me in the heart. So that's what's been going on with my kids. Next slide, please. And... uh just been blessed to be part of this family. Next slide. In fact, last year I came here and shared about how we needed a new roof because we had a roof that was built, this house was built by the Soviets back in 1962 and the materials they used were, you know, not that good and our roof was made with asbestos, and it was falling apart. I mean, water was coming into the house and our walls were getting mildew and so last year on tour, many of you gave towards us getting a new roof. Next picture, please. And praise God! Right before I leave to come to America, they got the new roof. So here's our new roof, made out of metal. It's going to last way longer than our our tile roof did. And I know that Mama Maya, uh, Krista Maliga's mom, is extremely happy because now she wants to remodel the inside of the house. You know, that's the next task. Next slide, please. This year, I am raising support for winter clothes. My all my kids have notified me that it's already snowing now in Latvia, very cold. And so I'm raising money for, for winter clothes, jackets and sweaters and so forth, as well as computers for Mark and Liga because, you know, technology is a wonderful thing. And before I moved, and, uh, before I moved to Latvia and began to help Chris and Liga, their computer they used to have was Windows 98. How many of you still use Windows 98? No. So we got a family computer, but Krista pretty much took over that one. So Liga and Mom needs a new computer for them because all the schoolwork now is all done by computer. Same with Marcus. He needs a computer for his school. So that's the other thing we're raising support for. And also on theirs are other needs that we need as well. Next slide, please. And Out of all the ministries I've done in traveling throughout Europe and Latvia or here in America, Christop, Liga, and Mark still continue to be the greatest mission field the Lord has placed me in. People have asked me, you know, what's it like to be a missionary in Latvia? And I think the best illustration I've given is try planting a garden on concrete. See what happens you're going to have to get the pick and start hitting hard and break through before you can get to the soft ground. And it's going to take a long time and it's going to take a lot of work, sweat and tears, but eventually you will get through to soft ground. That's what it's like to be a missionary in Latvia. So that's why I've been out there for six years. These three pretty much are the three reasons why I remain in Latvia because I have become a father to them. They call me dad, daddy, or old man. <laughs> Christophe calls me half century already because I'm 50. And yeah, it's funny. And next slide. I, I wrote this song for my kids a couple years ago. And I put together this little collage. And then after that, I'll we'll turn into the word quickly. But this is a song I wrote for them called I'm Here For You Now. All right, we're turning into our Bible. So Luke chapter 13, we're going to read from verses 10 to 17. I'm reading from a different version of the Bible. Uh, I usually use New King James, but when I travel, I try to take a smaller Bible. So this is from the NIV version. So it might be slightly different in your version, but it's still the word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. And this is what Dr. Luke has to say, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He writes... On the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. In the New King James, it would say, spirit of infirmity. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hand on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, The synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days to work, so come and be healed on those days and not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrite! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 years long, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, All his opponents were humiliated, humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word you've given us through Luke. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our eyes and our ears to hear what you would have to say to us, that we can see Jesus clearly. In Jesus' name, the body of Christ says, Amen. amen. Please be seated. Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 17, I've entitled tonight's message, From Bondage to Blessing. From Bondage to Blessing. Starts off with verse 10 and says, On the Sabbath day, Jesus was teaching the one at the synagogues. How many know that we need to hear a word of the Lord today, tonight? You know, there are many churches now that have replaced God's word for the words of man, the words of philosophy. In my travels in ministry, I've been in ministry for over 30 years. I've been in itinerant, ministry for, in itinerant ministry for 25 years. And in churches that were, I'm not the guest preacher, I'm just the music part. And I've been amazed as I sat in the pews and watched them open the Bible, sometimes it's these big, huge Bibles, read the text, but then the sermon has nothing to do with what was just read. I mean, you hear about be good to your dog, be good to your neighbor, and let's build houses for Habitat for Humanity, but you never hear about God. It's all about people. Let's be good to people. And yeah, I understand it. Love your neighbor. But the first part is love the Lord. You know, you can't love people unless you got the love of Christ in you. But if you don't know the Lord, you don't, you're just given out of nothing. See, the word of God, it changes our life. We need the word of God to be spoken, preached, taught. And we wonder why, you know, the churches are just falling apart. If it isn't social gospel then it's i call it the gospel of gooey god and jello jesus you know what i'm saying god is just so good you know your best life ever you know <laughs> he wants you to be successful in your family your job blah 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 okay you never hear about what jesus says if you want to be my disciple you must deny yourself pick up your cross and follow me because you'll never hear that preached you'll never see a book selling that million copies right away but you hear about how to be successful, how to have a good family. And not that God's against that. He's not. But he's got his own standards. See, the word of God is going to first offend us before it mends us. See, the writer of Hebrews says that God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It's going to pierce hard. So it's going to... How many know when you read God's word, it sometimes gets you? You know, how many ever like to be told they're wrong? No right especially if it's a best friend of yours and they tell you you're wrong how many of you like to look at that friend you wish you can hit him (laughs) let's be honest here and yet god who's closer than a friend closer than a brother his words going to first tell us something that we may not like here's my standards here you are something's wrong we may not like hearing that we may not like hearing that god's got standards and well we have our own but they don't match So God's word might first offend you before it can mend you. But if we allow God's word to work into our hearts, to get out the good that might be in our hearts, soon he brings us up to his level. God's word will convict us. God's word will challenge us. God's word will correct us. God's word will comfort us. God's word will conform us to the image of Jesus. You know, to be a Christian, the word Christian means to be like Christ, reflection of Christ. And yet there are so many people that name the name of Christ and yet their actions, I don't see Christ in them. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. We are supposed to be so filled with Jesus that when people see us, that's what they see is Jesus gooing out. In fact, one of the biggest compliments I've had from my kids was Chris when he looked at me one time when he was about 13 or 14 years old, and he said, you know that Jesus guy you talk about What we hear at devotions? I said, yeah, you act like him. And to me, that was the highest compliment I've ever gotten. So here are the people in the synagogue. Now, you have to understand, the synagogue, it was maybe a building like this, the men and the women were never together. The women were on the outside where the men were in the middle. When I went to Israel six years ago, I went into the great synagogue in Jerusalem and all the men sat in the middle and in the center and the women were in the balconies. They didn't sit together. Back then, the women were kind of on the outskirts. But imagine, the synagogue Packed with people, wall-to-wall people, because they wanted to hear Jesus speak. Because when he spoke, he spoke with power. He spoke with passion. He spoke with authority. In fact, here he is fulfilling what Isaiah wrote many years ago that said that people should be taught by God himself. And how many know that Jesus is known as Emmanuel? God is with us. That here is God in the flesh, in Jesus Christ, teaching his word. That when he taught it, it just hit people right where they're at. So here's a synagogue full of people. And again, the woman wore on the outside. And yet Luke says that there was a woman who was bent over, crippled by a spirit of authority for 18 years. Now imagine, here this woman for 18 years was bent low. This is all she could do. Could you imagine walking like this for five minutes? Or walking like this for an hour, a day, 18 years. 18 years she is bent over. She is weighed down. And in the same way, sin can do that to us as well. If we allow sin to pile up on us, all of a sudden we start losing our focus from the Lord. And before we know it, we are bent down low and all of a sudden we're able to see nothing but the ground here this woman she could not look up 18 years she was in bondage it's amazing what bondage can do to one's life what addiction can do to one's life because once it gets a hold of you it will drag you down it will be hard to bear You will start to lose focus of who is in control. And all of a sudden, you will be looking at the ground because that's all you can see because the weight of sin, the weight of bondage, the weight of addiction drags you right down to that's all you can see. But you know what? There is someone who can see what's going on and that's Jesus Christ. Because remember, this synagogue was filled with people Wall-to-wall people, men, 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 and then outside women. But again, this woman was bent over. So most likely, most people didn't even know she was there. You know, you might be here tonight in church thinking no one knows what's going on. No one knows I'm hurting. No one knows, but you know what Jesus knows. He's aware of your situation. You might even come and put on a nice Christian smile. Praise God. Hallelujah. I got my Christian knees going. You know, as Christians, we have our little language. Blessed to be a blessing. God's good all the time. All the time God's good. You know, blah, 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 blah. And inside we could be hurting so bad. But you know what? We don't want anyone to know that we're hurting. God forbid people see that I'm not perfect. But you know what? Jesus already knows. He sees the heart. Nothing is hidden from the eyes of the Lord. And I'm glad. Sometimes I'm not glad, but I'm glad that he knows who I am. Because I can't hide from him. So imagine. Wall to wall people. Women are kind of on the outskirt. Remember back then, women weren't really considered people. They were kind of like property. And this woman, 18 years, bound by a spirit of infirmity, bent over, could not stand up. Most people probably didn't notice her. But Jesus did because Jesus called her out, called her forward. And he speaks these words that will liberate her. Woman, you are free from your infirmity. He speaks those words now. You are forgiven of your sins. Turn to me and I will wash away your sins. Turn to me and I will take away. Cast your cares on me for I care for you. Stop carrying this. My back is strong to carry it. The Bible says that he reached out and with his hands touched this woman and she stood up straight. And she began to glorify, or in the new NIV version, or the NIV version, she began to praise God. How many of you have ever had God do something so awesome that you just were ecstatic? Now, I don't think that she was quiet about it. I don't think she stood up and goes, oh, thank you, Jesus. I've been healed. No, I think she did a little Pentecostal jig means praise the Lord or praise Yahweh. I think she was jumping around because she was delivered. She was able to stand up and see the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. She was able to stand up because she was delivered from the bondage that kept her down. And when you and I have come to the Lord and he takes the way to sin office, he takes the burdens us, and all of a sudden you're like, oh wow, you are in control. I mean, can you not like join her and say, praise the Lord, Hallelujah. You know, sometimes people get upset if us Christians get a little radical. Oh, they're fanatical. I remember when my mom got saved back in 1972, she went to her church-going family. Understand, they were church-going. You know, they went to church every Sunday, they had communion, they knew about God, but they didn't know God. How many know that? You can know the ten commandments know the apostles creed you can quote you know all the church fathers but you know what unless you know jesus christ it ain't gonna matter both of my parents were raised in christian school raised in church but knew nothing and then when jesus came into her heart that woman changed so much she became a prayer warrior every morning she prayed for us to get saved we got saved then she started talking to her church going family and they looked at her like she was nuts They called her Holy Mary. And it got so bad that they didn't want her around. Every time we came to visit, my mom and grandma would be in one room and all the pagans were in the other room. But it's amazing. Every holiday, Thanksgiving and Christmas, they would let mom come out of the room and ask to come and pray over the meal. It blew my mind. It's like, stay there, but you know what? For the prayer, let's get Mary to come out and pray for the meal. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. You know, as Christians, when we have been set free, we just we we have to talk about it. Now, my mom persevered. She got saved in 1972, and as years went on, 44 years later, that room full of pagans had began to shrink because all of a sudden, one by one, they started joining her room. People that they thought would never walk through the door of a church. There was my Aunt Clara. She was mean as all get out. We called her Motorcycle Mama. No, no she chain wallet, short, short hair, T-shirt. She, walked, she acted more like a guy. She gets radically... Safe. First of all, my mom is very feminine. Long hair, makeup, dresses. Aunt Clara was a dude. <laughs> she started witnessing to her, talking about what God has done in her life. And Aunt Clara's hardened heart began to break, and she opened her heart to the Lord. And all of a sudden, everyone was shocked because she started going to church, started get into the Word. All of a sudden, Aunt Clara began to add a little makeup. She began to wear little blouses. She began to grow her hair out a little bit, and everyone was completely just whoa. Then there was my uncle Party Hardy Raymond. I mean, a bottle was always in his hand. In fact. He loved drinking so much, he named his last daughter Brandy after the drink. Brandy. My mom witnesses to him. He comes to church, he gets saved. The room starts shrinking. Then there's this person and this person. And all of a sudden, right now, we're down to just two. They go to church. Now, it's amazing. When when the Lord does something dramatic in our life, it's going to affect us. It's going to come out, yeah? We're just going to have to talk about it. And we need to talk about it. Look at our world. Look at our country. Our country needs to hear good news. First of all, the Lord is still on the throne. He's still in control. This time next week, he already knows who's going to be the leader of this country. And whoever it be, we need to be praying for that person, whoever it will be. Remember, when Paul wrote to be praying for leaders of your country, Nero was ruling at that time, and Nero was no friends to Christians. Just a little encouragement there. So, yeah. Remember, I get to leave the country, so... (laughs) I get to watch everything from a distance, you know. So, here's... This woman praising the Lord. The people are excited. And then there's always a party pooper in the crowd. Have anyone ever been around a very religious person? You know what I'm talking about? They walk around with the nose in the air. Uh huh. They have the rules and regulations. In fact, some of you came out of churches that, you know, you couldn't eat fish on this day and you had to do this on that day and crawl on your knees here and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And all you got was bloody knees and you hated fish, you know. So Here comes a religious man who kept all the religious rules and wanting to show how religious he was, he stood up and says, there are six days to do work. Come on those days and be healed.
0: <laughs>
1: Religious man. You know, what's funny. Back in Jesus' day, the day of Sabbath, which God meant to be a day of rest, ended up being a day of stress. Because you had so many rules to keep on that day of rest. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can only walk so far. You can't do this. I mean, it wasn't a day of rest. You were stressing out. Am I going to break the Sabbath or not? So here's this religious man trying to keep his religion up. You can't do this, you can't do this. Remember, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious system at that time, added so much to God's word that it was mostly man-made. Because even Jesus says, you are preferring your doctrines of men over the word of God. No different from today. There are churches and movements that prefer to hear the leader of that denomination than God's word. So imagine, here comes this religious man trying to show off, well, you know, this is the way we're supposed to do church. And I can see Jesus. He just healed this woman. She is just praising the Lord. She is glorifying the Lord because the Lord delivered her. And Jesus turns to this Pharisee or this religious religious leader and just says, you hypocrite! You take your ox or your donkey, you untie them and lead them to the water. And yet, this woman, a daughter of Abraham, notice that Luke said that, daughter of Abraham, this daughter of Abraham who's been bound for 18 years, should she not be set free on this day, the day of rest? It's amazing. When I think about it, when he said, You'd lead these animals to water, yet here is the living water present in front of them all, who in a spiritual way untied her, loosed her from being a captive, and led her to the living water, a daughter of Abraham. That, brothers and sisters, is available to us now some of you might feel like that woman. Maybe there are, you're under the weight of sin. You feel like, you know, I've done this, I've done that, you know, and, and it's eaten you up. No one knows what I did, but oh, I do. And well, you know what? So does the Lord. But he's saying, come to me, confess it, and I will wash it as white as snow. I can purge it from you. Some of you are carrying the weight of guilt, Or shame. The Lord is saying, "No. Cast it upon me. I care about you. I'm concerned about you. Some of you are carrying." the weight of worry and fear. And he's telling you right now, do not fear for I am with you. Don't be afraid. I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will uphold you with my right hand. We all have a story to share. You see, at one time, all of us, before we knew Christ, we were in bondage. But thanks be to God, as Paul would write. He loosed us from our chains. He lifted us up. As the psalmist says, You, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. He lifted us up out of the Mari pit. Or like the song we sang earlier, Out of the ashes we rise. Some of you your life was devastated by circumstances or by sin, and yet God in his love and mercy reached out and lifted you up. Some of you could probably say, wow, a year ago, my life was completely different, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and yet because of God, here I am. From bondage to blessing. I pray that as we go out from this assembly, that we would be like that woman praising God, even if people think we're whacked out, or even if we run into our, our family and friends that are religious, that they would see the good things God has done. You know, I will enclose, and I would like to, for us to pray for our country. It needs a lot of healing. It's so divided, but I'm believing that the Lord, He's in control. It's a it's a phrase I heard growing up. God is still on the throne. You know, there's a, a an old worship song. There's a, something about that name where the phrase says, "Kings and kingdoms will all pass away," but there's something about that name. Yes. Governments will rise. Governments will fall. This party will win. That party will win. But you know what? God always remains. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's my king. And he is my commander-in-chief. And he, I know, will never change. He will never say one thing and then, oh, I meant this. I know that I can trust His Word. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and close in prayer.
0: You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road